must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey, and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support. And now for the show. All right. You know, Janet, I'm curious your thoughts on leadership and, and things that we might need to do in order to affect clinical education and some of the variants in practice currently. Yeah, that is a million dollar question, isn't it? You know, so I have to believe that uh, leadership, leadership training will, will affect that positively. Clinical instructors are included in our, in our um, stakeholder group. And so trying to figure out what they need and how to get it to them. Um, you know, I, I put a lot of emphasis um, on, on teaching our students how to become change managers. And we do, we do a whole, whole couple of classes on this whole topic. So how, how can I, as a student or a new graduate, go out and challenge uh, lousy physical therapy, non-evidence-based physical therapy. How would I even have that conversation? You know, here's a person who's been practicing 10 or 15 or 20 years, and, and I'm a new grad. How do I say to them, you know what, I, I'm not sure that what you're doing is the best thing for our patient, and I'd like to do something different. Is that okay? Um, without really, you know, upsetting the apple cart and, and, and stopping the conversation forever. So, so we we really train our students how to do that, and we try to improve their confidence to do that because it has to come from all of us, doesn't it? I mean, you know, we can't wait for some other external entity to come in and say, uh, you know, we're going to stop paying you for this, so you can't do it anymore, which is what happens right now, right? So insurance companies decide there's no evidence for something, we're just going to stop paying for it, and that's how practice changes. Well, that's... I'm embarrassed by that, quite frankly. And so um, I think our students and new professionals who have the latest knowledge and have the greatest knowledge and have the evidence need to share it. And um, I think, you know, if we can all be mature enough to allow that to happen, I think that will help um, a lot. And, you know, there's, there's something about physical therapists that I think is our, our greatest strength and our greatest weakness. And that is that we are people, people. We all got into this profession because we want to help people. And that means that we are compassionate and caring and, and, and tenderhearted. And so that's a strength, right? But it's also a weakness because that means we don't like conflict. And that in- includes my coming to you and saying, hey, Scott, you know, I don't think you did that very well. And I think you could do better. And I can help you. Or Scott, I don't think that's the right treatment for this. Look, look at this evidence. This is a better choice. So I think physician, the physician community is excellent at that, right? They do these grand rounds, they beat each other up, they go have a beer or coffee afterwards. 
nothing personal. Um, I think we can be better at that. And I think because of our compassion and caring, we know how to deliver difficult messages really well. I think we're very good at that. So I think we have all the skills that we need. We need to apply them and we need to change the culture around um, giving each other feedback and policing ourselves. And I think that would go a long way in, in addressing both both the, the clinical education challenges we have in, and variance in practice. I totally agree with you, Janet. I think that that's one thing that our profession could definitely improve on is conflict management and also pushing each other to be better. Do you, do you think that this is a change that will take a while to implement this cultural shift? Or do you think that, you know, every year we get a little bit closer to achieving that goal of standardization um, in variance within our practice? Mm. It's definitely a process, Stephanie. Um, I really like seeing what I'm seeing um, in our in our board of directors and APTA board of directors. You know, I've, I've served on that group. Um, I've been a staff member. I've seen it from both sides. I've been in the House of Delegates for several decades, um, and I'm seeing a shift in them. And the reason I think that's really important is because I believe they set the cultural tone for the organization. Whether they believe they do or not, or whether they want to or not, they absolutely do. The House of Delegates takes its lead from them. The uh, every every leadership group and every component takes their lead from them. So, and what what I'm saying is, what I'm seeing and what I'm saying is that they. Um, are working so well as a team and they are challenging each other to do that. So they don't just all get in a room and agree. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are very disparate opinions in, 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 the, in the room when they get together, but when they, they come out united and they come out um, as colleagues who support each other. So I, I do believe it's happening and I, I, I think it's a cultural thing and you know, they always say culture eats strategy for breakfast. I, I think uh, culture is really important and we need to be good, good stewards of our culture. And I really don't think we have. Um, and so maybe now is the time to become more intentional about that and to say, you know what, we've allowed this behavior to go on for a long time and we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to challenge it and we're going to stop it. Um, I think that's what it takes, but it doesn't happen um, necessarily naturally or organically you've got to be intentional about it and then and then it can happen so I think the more we talk about it and in venues like this and others the more likely it is to continue. You had mentioned Janet that you've served uh, APTA and uh, in our association our profession in many capacities including board of directors and also at APTA. I'm really interested in your experience at APTA. I think that it would be an amazing experience to work in Alexandria. Um, could you reflect on your experience and lessons learned in your various roles within the APTA? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Um, you know, I never, I never set a goal to be on APTA's board of directors, and then I got on APTA's board of directors. I never set a goal to be on staff, and then I was on staff. So it wasn't something that I really planned for a long time. Um, however, because I was engaged in APTA, um, those kinds of opportunities presented themselves to me. And that's my biggest um, sort of take home lesson to students that might be listening or new, new professionals 
is if you aren't a member of ABTA, you have no idea what opportunities you're, you're going to totally miss out on because it is the most fantastic way to network and meet people and um, find out what's going on. So there are other ways now that weren't available to me when I was a new professional like social media. So I, I like that engagement too. And I think that's awesome. So be engaged that way. Uh, hashtag ABTA tweets or whatever you like. Um, but um, so, so being engaged, being involved, opens doors. Um, that's, that's one lesson. The other lesson I would say is from my view is that APTA is a huge complicated organization. Um, just so many layers and so many levels. I mean, you know, we, we try to explain it to our students. I, I, I was in a class where that was being taught last week and it was like, Oh my God, can we make this any more complicated? You know, they're trying to learn it and they're like, and they have all these questions and, and, it, and it's natural, you know, we're huge and complicated. And, and that's really our greatest strength because right now, almost every group that exists in APTA is under APTA's umbrella. That means we all have to abide, agree to and abide by the same policies, if you will. And I think that's a huge strength for us as an organization. If you compare us, for example, to AOTA, Occupational Therapists, you know, you don't have to be a member of their state and their national organization both at the same time, which means they're separate and there are different different policies, different visions, different missions, et cetera. Um, on the other side, that's our biggest liability as well because it means that we have a ton of interests to meet and to represent. And those are going to clash at times. And so because we are going to support interest A, we're going to have to not support interest B. And that's going to upset some of the people in our, in our community. So, um, that's a huge lesson for us to learn. That's another reason we need to be good managers of conflict because those things are going to happen. And, and, and I think about, you know, if you are a member of a church or if you are a member of any other social group, it is probably highly unlikely that you agree with 100% of what that church or what that social group does or any, any group. And it's the same way in ABTA. You're not going to agree with 100% of what ABTA does, but that doesn't mean you need to quit or go away and take your toys and go somewhere else because... Number one, there's nothing else out there that can do what we can do. And number two, if you don't like it, get involved and change it. You know, help us understand why that policy is misguided or it needs to be changed. It maybe served us for a while and now it needs to be different. So um, I don't buy the, the notion that you have to agree with everything that APTA does. They're, they're, that's just so unrealistic. And that's another lesson that I've learned. You know, I don't agree with everything that, that APTA um, has does or, or will do, but I've been a part of the process. So I've had my chance, my shot at influencing it. And, you know, um, that's, that's on me, right? I have to get better at, at advocating or influencing or whatever, whatever it is. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, an organization that has, um, given me so many opportunities and taught me so much that I, I just continue to find joy in giving back to. So, I guess the other, just the other pro that I didn't, didn't touch on is just the knowledge and information that you can get. Uh, I don't know how people who are practicing and aren't members of APTA, I don't know how they keep up with, you know, especially regulations that, that dictate how we treat our patients and, and payment. I mean, I suppose that their, their supervisors or their owners or whatever, their facilities do that for them. But, you know, I certainly wouldn't trust, um, you know, uh, their interpretation of that, especially if they're not PTs, because they don't come at it from our perspective. So I think just knowledge and information, um, 
certainly knowledge extends to content uh, as well. I mean, I think the best and brightest minds in our profession are, are in APTA. So that's where they're going to be um, doing their thing. And I want to hang out with those people. I think that that is a huge point, Janet, surrounding yourself with people who are going to push you to be better. And I mean, it sounds like you've done that your whole career. I think that that's kind of a theme of the things that you've been touching on, even with standardization, is how do you make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who are going to push you to reach the highest level of performance, whether it be in academia, clinical practice, or clinical education. What are the most interesting and uncommon things that you feel most physical therapists aren't aware of regarding being an APTA board member? Um, I think that the, just the complexity of the organization, which is a, something I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, it just means that we often have competing, um, competing priorities. So it's really hard to make everybody happy. And yet that's our nature. We want to make everyone happy. Um, and um, the APTA board, when you get on APTA's board, you, you quickly realize that you cannot possibly make everyone happy with all of your decisions. And there are going to be groups that at any given time are not going to really like the decision or direction. So um, that, that requires really good diplomacy, uh, uh, really good diplomacy skills and the ability to explain things rationally um, and for the result to be, you know, that that person may not like that decision, but they still like you. And um, that's, that's tough for physical therapists to get their heads around because of that, um, that alt altruistic bent that we, that we all come into this with. So that, that's a challenge and has, has always been a challenge for us and I think will continue to be a challenge. And I think we get better at it. We, we, as I said, I think I, I've seen that in our board. Um, you know, the other thing is um, that... You know, we, we interact with a lot of other organizations uh, all the time. So APTA has an amazing presence on Capitol Hill. Um, we are seen as very effective um, players in that environment. Um, I don't think most PTs realize that. Um, we have very personal relationships with senators and, and representatives and, and staff people and people in, 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 C, in centers for Medicare and Medicaid services and other areas like that. Um, and, and because of those good relationships, uh, we have, uh, um, we, we are getting paid and we can practice in a way that is, is tolerable. And, and the alternative is that we wouldn't have, have it as good as we have it. And a lot of people don't think we have it very good right now. And, and I can't say I disagree with that, but I guess what I'm saying is it would be a lot worse without those kind of relationships. And it takes years and a lot of money and a lot of effort to make those relationships. And that's why people should be members of APTA because those relationships don't come easy or cheap. And I'm sorry, you may not like that, but it's the way the game is played. And um, we, we are a player and we also have relationships with other organizations, you know, American um, Association of Orthopedic Surgeons, uh, the family practice people, um, all kinds of other professions. And, and that's because uh, people like you guys pay your dues every day and work hard. And people up in Alexandria are representing you, 180 people who um, love physical therapy as much as you do, if not more. And they're not physical, physical therapists. Our staff are the most committed uh, people that you'll ever meet. Uh, they love our cause. They love working for our cause because in the end, it helps 
helps people, it helps patients. And um, that's really priceless in my, in my book. And um, I was humbled to work beside those people. I mean, I'm a physical therapist and I was getting paid uh, to, to represent physical therapy, but those people aren't PTs and they're, they're working just as hard as I, I did. So that's, that's a really cool thing. And, and that's something I wish every member or, and a member of ABTA could experience firsthand for themselves. I really respect that you've really gone in and talked about kind of this avenue and some of these things that perhaps a lot of people don't know about. I'm not even just being a board member, but about kind of the work that APTA has done, because I think that's important to get out there. And I know, at least for me, to kind of take a little bit of a different turn on this in terms of a topic is that while at the APTA's next conference, um, sitting in at the Catherine Worthingham session with the topic focusing on physical therapist role in addressing the population health needs and hearing how we need to change our patterns to address societal needs from clinical, educational, policy. And we have been seeing some great work done on health promotion from so many, including, but of course not limited to, Mike Eisenhart with the APHBT, Don Magnuson, Rupa Patel, Dodd Tavenport, Kai Kennedy, and so many others. You know, so how do you, I guess my question is, how do you feel that we as PTs need to address population health from an educational, clinical, and policy level to really be the most effective? Yeah, that's another million dollar question. So I think it starts with our vision, right? So our, our vision is to transform society. And um, the way we have done that, the way we have influenced society historically is one patient at a time, right? Our model is the one-on-one -on -one model. It's always been the one-on-one -on -one model. I think we, we've pride, prided ourselves on that. Um, and we're really, really, really good at that model. But we um, can't reach enough people that way. So I think we have to figure out what models um, exist for us to allow us to reach more people. Um, and I think population health approach is one of those. Um, I, my background is in health promotion and wellness. That's what my PhD is in. I'm a certified health and wellness coach. So I, for my own practice, I, I coach people one-on-one, -on -one, but I've started doing group coaching. Um, and I, I just published a paper on that and the evidence was pretty strong that I could um, get really good outcomes in that way too. And, and, and it's a lot more cost effective and a lot faster. You know, I always have a waiting list of clients that want to be coached one-on-one. -on -one. So um, uh, that's a small example, but, but things like that, we've got to figure out um, how to reach more members of our community. And the ones we're not reaching are those ones that are historically underserved. And so um, I think there's just a vast amount of opportunity out there in this area. And I, I know and work with all the people you just mentioned, and I think they're doing incredible things and more, more people need to know about what they're doing and, and more people need to, to try it. And, you know, it's hard because our, our payment model isn't set up for that. You have to take big risks to do it. Um, and people are figuring out how to make it happen. So um, I think this is a time for busting norms and, and trying to try new things. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? That's, a, that's what I always ask myself when I do something like this. And if that, if that risk is acceptable, go for it. You know, if it doesn't work, we've learned something. But if you don't try it, then we don't know. Yeah, Janet, you bring up a, a lot of great points there, especially uh, the payment model issue. I mean, we're trying to scale, scale, scale and go to the population level. And yet our payment model set up to not have group therapies and not, you know, it doesn't benefit you to necessarily see people in group form. So like you said, I think we just need to throw caution to the wind when we go out there and, and say the heck with it. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. 
yeah. uh, come up with your own new model, you know, and see what works that way. Mm-hmm. Well, Janet, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show this morning. It's, it's been amazing and enlightening for sure. And uh, we, we appreciate your time. We like to ask every guest this one final question. If you could change one aspect of healthcare education, DPT or otherwise, which aspect would you change and how would you change it? Yeah. Um, so my, my answer is going to be specific to physical therapy because my, my, my suggestion doesn't apply to all um, healthcare professions because some of them are already here. But um, I think it's the expense, the expense of, of, of DPT education. Um, and one way to address that is um, to create schools of physical therapy. Um, so, for example, in my case, um, we are part of a college of health professions. Um, if physical therapy could be its own college, then we would have more control over our finances. And I think we would learn very quickly that in order to make the bottom line positive, that we have to grow our program. Our program needs to be bigger. These small 40, 40 student programs, which our program is 40 student program, they just don't make economic sense. The resources that you have to amass to educate 40 students are not that different than what you need to amass to educate 100 or 150 or 200 students. And so um, I, I'm just duplicating that all over the country 280 times. And that is crazy to me. If you look at medicine, there are what, 140 medical schools and each one has 200 to 250 students. Why? because it makes economic sense, <laughs> you know? And so um, I think that it, the solution is for us to control our destiny. And in my experience, in my view of, of the academy, to do that, I have to become a, a school. I have to become a college uh, where um, as, at the dean's level, I have, I have that much influence over what we're doing. So that's one solution for me. I think there are a few schools of physical therapy across the country. Um, and I think this, um, they, they control their destiny and they, um, you know, they keep, they keep the bottom line positive and, and I know it's possible. I, I think, I think we have to change the way we approach it. Uh, and until we do that, I don't see our ability to manage the cost of education. Um, being impacted significantly. I think that's a really interesting solution. I mean, we get a lot of guests who say that DPT education is the number one thing that they would change, but I don't know. And Brandon and Scott, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I don't know if we've had a guest propose that specific solution to solve it. No, that's correct. Yeah, that, that's the first that, that we've heard that one. I like that a lot. Me yeah, too. That's, mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Well, Janet, this conversation has been very enlightening. Where can people find you online or on social media if they want to follow up with you or ask you any other questions? Yeah, I'm, uh, my Twitter handle is at jbezner, at J-B-E-Z-N-E-R. Um, I'm on Insta as well, same handle. Um, or maybe it's at jbesnerpt, so one of those. Um, my email, jb25 at txstate.edu. Well, awesome. Well, Janet, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And I think you definitely provided some really good reflection, some really good solutions to a lot of things in here. And I hope that all our audience can really take a lot of this in and really start to get some ideas going and really start coming together on how can we make some of these changes that we know need to happen a reality. So thank you so much for the time. And it's always a pleasure. 
Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, love what you're doing. Keep it up. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare, a telehealth platform, is a simple, low cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.